Welcome to QWERTY Writing Life Podcast, where we have candid chats about our creative lives. This is May. And I'm Joy. For more information about our podcast, monthly newsletter, or author resource series, visit us at QWERTYWritingLife.com. That's QWERTY, spelled Q-W-E-R-T-Y. It's the first six letters on your keyboard. So, are you ready? Grab your tea. Or your coffee. And let's chat. Hello, everyone. It's another week. Hello and welcome. Today, we are going to be talking about artist as a work in progress. But before we do that, let's talk about our creative weeks. Joy, what did you do? Well, I have been continuing work on my new book. Uh, It's all about animal tales, animal stories, all that kind of stuff. And it's been so much fun. Uh, This past week, I got to go to my favorite local coffee shop. And I got to write there for a little bit, which was a lot of fun. I feel like going to a place like that just uh, infuses a little bit of extra outside creativity into me. Um, While I was there, the baristas, because I just think that that's a fun word to use, so I'm going to call them that. Um, They were over there figuring out new drinks and taste testing and like, ooh, need more sugar, ooh, less sugar, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. And it was a lot of fun. So it was like their... Uh, that little creative endeavor going on next to me while I'm writing was just fun. So what about you? Well, tell me about your creative week. Yeah, well, I love that. I love the whole creative process there that you got to witness. That was really neat. Yeah. While you are also being creative, I imagine it was a little bit inspiring. Definitely. <laughs> So also, I love the momentum that you have on, the, on this book. It's I feel like you've just taken it and like rocketed away um on this because every time I I see I see you or or anything like on Instagram or um on the social medias or anything like that it's like you're just writing away and I love that too so yay it's almost like I know we've had conversations in the past where it's like you've not been able to get to that creative place Mm -hmm. and and to write the way that you want to write because you only have like super small snippets of time with like a little bit uh, where your mindset is, you know, you're exhausted and it's the end of the day and all of that stuff. And this is the right project for right now to, to write on and to like give you the momentum to move forward. Yeah. Too. And I, I love seeing you excited and happy about all of that stuff. Aw, thank you, friend. <laughs> I'm just saying that out loud. I, I have a little cold, so I said it. I said it stuffily, <laughs> but it's out loud. So, <clears throat> but as far as my creative week goes, let's see. Um, so you were talking about the baristas, like coming up with recipes and that sort of thing. Well, we had the birthday party. We have a joint birthday party for the boys right now. They have not decided that they want separate birthday parties right now. However, they have decided that they want separate rooms. So that's interesting. Oh wow. <laughs> That's a new dynamic. I know. When we moved into this house, I guess it was four or five years ago, they wanted to stay in the same room. We were in a teeny tiny little house before, and they were sleeping in the same room, and they wanted to stay that way um, back then. So now they're both like, we really need separate rooms. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Um, They're each other's best friends, but I think that they're kind of getting to that place where they want a little bit of like, Alone time, which I think is cool. It's fun. So um, I'll be working on that a little bit over Christmas break, as well as our QWERTY 
uh, finders keepers workbook. Mm-hmm. But um, I had a point. <laughs> the party. <laughs> oh, oh, the party. The party. So well, we were doing the joint birthday party, and uh, Cole picked out a store bought birthday cake mm-hmm. and a clay wanted to make his own because he doesn't really like birthday cake. And um, so if we make it, it's the kind of cake that he likes, which I think is pretty interesting. So we picked out a strawberry cake and he wanted to do a bomb cake like we did last year, but he wanted different fruit on the inside because he doesn't like sprinkles and he doesn't like processed sugar. He likes fruit. So good for him. <laughs> I know it's pretty excellent. Um, however, it's, um, it's a lot of work. So, <laughs> so <clears throat> we were making all of that. And I noticed that I'd bought too much like store bought, bought icing and he, it was just the kind of icing that he likes and stuff. So I bought too much of it last year and I thought, surely, you know, it's all processed and, you know, vacuum sealed and all of that. Surely it would work this year. And it didn't. It was, it had like a twang to it. I just didn't, I wasn't going to put it all over the cake. And so I threw all of that away and I was like, it can't be that hard to make your own icing. <laughs> so I looked up a recipe and went to the store at a stupid o'clock and came back with all of the ingredients and everything. And he and I together made our own icing. And I, the, the important thing with that is, is the right amount of confectioner sugar, because you can put too much confectioner sugar and it tastes awful. And then you can put too little and it tastes more like cream cheese than it does, um, than it does icing. So um, we taste tested and like, we try to figure out how much was the right amount of confectioner sugar. And I don't even know if we have like a, a standard measuring of that. But what I do know is that in a vintage sifter <laughs> with the one that has like a little, a little yes cream, I, I love those <laughs> two of those <laughs> perfect so that's the perfect amount of confectioner sugar for your cream cheese icing and if anybody wants to know it was a really big hit it is one eight ounce uh, block of cream cheese softened and it's one stick of butter like salted butter soft uh, softened mm-hmm. you mix that together and then you do like a teaspoon Two two teaspoons of, of vanilla and then two sifterfuls of uh, confectioner sugar and you like beat it uh, a little bit at a time while you're making it. And that makes the perfect cream cheese icing. <laughs> that sounds good. I've never tried to make cream cheese icing, so I'm going to keep that in mind. It's super easy and it's super yummy. In fact, like I had leftover because of the bomb cake and also because I didn't have, (laughs) we get a little scrappy around the Smith household. So this, the bomb cakes, you have to have layers for for the cakes and you have to cut a hole in the center of the layers, except for the top layer. And, um, and then you have all of this excess cake. And then we had excess cake too, because I had graduating, um, cake pans but I didn't have like the same size cake pan. So I had to use one cake pan twice and then I used a bigger cake pan and, and I cut around the edges mm-hmm. to get to the size that it needed to be. And so we had all of this cake left over. And then I, I made um, cake balls with that. And so just crumble up all of the, the extra cake and then add that icing to it and then mix it up and then make it refrigerate it, make it into little balls and then put that in the, um, in the freezer for a couple of minutes while it hardens. And then you use melting wafers to dip the balls into them and it hardens up. 
And then if you want to get fancy like my husband, he took some other melting wafers and um, made it more drizzly by adding coconut oil. And, and then he made it pink because it's strawberry cake with uh, with red food coloring. And he drizzled all of that on there. And then because I couldn't be shown up by my husband, I found some gold sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> and so I drizzled. Um, I put the gold sprinkles on top of his drizzle and it hardened up and it ended up being really pretty. You'll see, you'll see pictures on my Instagram of the cake and stuff like that. But also Clay's cake turned out super great, too. Um he decorated, put all of the fruit on the top of it. My mom came a little bit early and noticed that I was covered in confectioner sugar. And she was like, shall I icing your cake? <laughs> I'm like, yes, please. And so she got a little crafty too. She put the icing in a Ziploc bag and cut a little hole in it and then like tried to do some piping around the edges and everything. It's totally a homemade cake, y'all. I know it sounds like it's super impressive the way that I'm explaining it, but when you see the pictures on Instagram, you're gonna be like, oh, that's a homemade cake. Um, <laughs> Those are the best, yeah. man. But what I can tell you is, is it tasted amazing <laughs> and Clay was very happy. And so we also did a painting party and um, there were a lot of a lot of things going on, but I bought a whole bunch of painting stuff. And so I made everybody sit down and paint because I bought a whole bunch of painting stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It was was so cold outside. I planned far too much for this party. I was like, we have like fancy s'mores and we have these two cakes because it's for two people. And you're like, (laughs) we're going to have a painting party. And everybody's like, I got to (laughs) go. I was like, you will sit. <laughs> <laughs> you will paint and you will like uh-huh. it. <laughs> and I had um, I had a bit of a migraine that day too. So I think everybody felt sorry for me as well. And so they were like, we will sit and we will paint. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but I will say that after people started painting, they are having a very good time. <laughs> Well, yeah, like doing something like that always makes you feel better. And it's just, I don't know, being creative really helps you in so many ways. And I think we don't realize that. Right, exactly. Um, And so I gave people happy endorphins accidentally um, with my falsiness. Um, (laughs) But they enjoyed it. It's fine. So so while... um, while the kids like got through with their paintings and stuff like that, and uh, they went outside to play, they got some with their little presents, and they went outside and did s'mores and stuff like that too. Um, I got to I got a chance to paint as well, and I was so pleased. And um, and I don't know if you can see this. This is my little painting. Oh, it's precious. I don't know. Like it's a just a. Oh, okay, I a flower and that sort of thing. But I have a creative tie to this. So, <laughs> so if you're on YouTube, you can see my, my little bouquet of flowers and that sort of thing. You'll also see, well, I'll explain this in a second. Um, but what I noticed, um, there were three adults, uh, me and two other adults who were at the table um, after the kids had already done their 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 paintings and it was sitting outside to dry and all of that kind of stuff. Um we all three, and I didn't realize this until I was thinking about it later, like retro, retrospectively, I guess. <laughs> and like we all first were like, oh, this is great. Like, you know, one person was um, was painting a Christmas wreath and one person was painting a, um, a mini moo cow face. Um, and I was trying to do like this little 
just this little bouquet of flowers and stuff. And at first I was like, oh, I picked the perfect color. And all of this is going to be so pretty. I'm going to have it going this way. You know, like, and, and the idea of it was very exciting. And everybody else, the three of them were excited about their idea and stuff too. And then um, we all went through the process of hating our pictures. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like, oh, I messed it up. Like, it's so terrible. <laughs> like, this is terrible. I can't believe I messed up my mini moo cow. <laughs> and actually, this was not the the direction that the the bouquet of flowers was supposed to go. I meant to have it go this, like turn it slightly and have the stems go this way so that it would be more in the center of the canvas. And so that was one of my, my regrets. I was like talking and just enjoying everybody while I was painting and that sort of stuff. And I was like, Oh, it's going the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, like the person who was doing the wreath was like, I think that, I think that her thing was that she put it on a black background and she didn't let the black background dry first. And so like the green and everything kind of mixed together and it, it just, um, it didn't turn out exactly what she had in her mind. Mm But then all three of us at different times tried to make it better. And in the process of trying to make it better, we kind of made it worse. (laughs) That sounds like the way that I paint when I attempt things like that. (laughs) So we tried to make it work. The first thing that I try to do, I try to do like a strip of lace right here since it's not in the, uh, in the center and it's all turned the wrong way and everything. I tried to do like some lace design over here. And let me tell you guys, lace design is very hard with some cheap old Walmart uh, paintbrushes and things like that. Um, Bodie's having a good old time with his, with his bone. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I was like, that is terrible. It's really, really, really bad <laughs> now that I've tried to fix it. And so, But what I did like about it was like there was like a variation of color over here. Um, And I was like, maybe, maybe, just maybe I can pull it back, simplify a little bit and um, just kind of do like old film or old pictures where it has like a discoloring, um, discoloration on on the edges sometimes. Like maybe I can do something like that and kind of um, mimic that. And that's what I did. And I think that it, it made it to where this now looks like the center because you have like this extra little bit over here. Um, and I'm pretty pleased with how it turned out. And also um, the artist who was doing the mini moon was pleased with how his turned out. And it was the same thing. It was like, oh, I made a most light and then I made it worse. But now I'm going to do this. And you know what? I kind of like it. I actually like this, you know. And that was the same thing with the person who was doing the wreath. And um And we all three went through the same creative process and creative processes really intrigue me. And I think that that's, (laughs) that's probably exactly how I write too. (laughs) It's like at the beginning, it's like, this is excellent. This idea is phenomenal. I can't wait to get my fingers on the keyboard. And then it goes into this like, Ooh, I messed this up. How can I fix it? And then when I try to fix it, it's like, Oh, it's worse. (laughs) And like the pendulum swinging, right? And so it's like, oh, whenever here, and then somewhere like right here in the middle, whenever you realize, oh, I made it worse. And then like, I can actually, wait a minute, there's like a spark of another idea that's going to be able to help you fix it and get to that, that finished place. And I'm like, that's very interesting how all three of us went through the same creative process. Um, 
at separate times, but all because we're all painting at the same time. It was the same. It was the same kind of thing. Anyway, that's probably far too much of a creative week. <laughs> I love that. And I love like, it's the whole happy little accidents thing. Like, right. you know, it's just great how that all comes full circle. And it's neat to see how similar and different everybody's creative processes are. So that's fun. Yeah. Well, and it's the whole human experience, right? Like we're all humans. We're all creating different things, a different kind of life. We have different beliefs and experiences and all of that kind of stuff. But overall, we're human and we have the same the same needs and desires and, and wants and questions and all that kind of stuff, no matter where we are, whoever we are, where, you know, what time period we're in, all of that kind of stuff. And I think that the creative process kind of like we're all creative in some way, you know, like that's what joy and I believe, like we're all creative in some way. And, um, just as being human beings and like, there's this umbrella, that creativity umbrella that links us all together in some form or fashion. And I just think it's kind of beautiful. I completely agree with what you said. And I think that kind of plays in really good with what we're going to talk about tonight with the experiences thing. Um, that is a huge part of this topic. Um, because the experiences that we have kind of mold us into the creatives that we are and those experiences change over time. And that's kind of leads right into our topic. It does. It does. And so Joy and I are individually, um, authors, but we're also collectively authors. And I do think that our experiences in our lives bring and and being able to bring those two things together collectively kind of gives us a whole new um, a whole new story to share, um, as, as authors, but it's, it's kind of, I kind of see us as three authors. Yeah. <laughs> if this makes any sense, like you are, you are Joy E. Rangatori, um, the, the author, the individual author, I'm Mae Smith, the individual author. And then we are together, QWERTY. Whenever I talk about our creative process and path and stuff together, like I kind of, view us as a single entity we have our individual creative processes and then we have a creative process together that works really well and that's kind of where I'm going with that it's like my individual process is a little bit different than my QWERTY process Mm -hmm. because I'm working with you and we are this type of creative together Mm yeah yeah Definitely. Yeah, that makes sense. In our last work session on the workbook for Finders Keepers, a practical approach to find and keep your writing critique partner, we discovered more places where we could be maybe more concise or clear. um, And that led us to an epiphany, which is um, it's not just about the book, but it's also about like our work as creatives. And the reason um, the, the reason that we can clarify and expand on what we wrote in the book in 2019 in 2022 is because we've had more experience as creatives and we've grown as artists, both individually and collective artists. Yeah. Yeah. And as an artist, if you are in practice, you are growing and evolving. You're your own work in progress. <laughs> yes, it's about the product, but it's also about the artist. So writing is an exercise of the heart and soul, whether you write fiction or nonfiction. And I would say that this statement is true of any creative endeavor. Creating is an exercise of the heart and soul. So our inner beings, who we are at the deepest level, changes over time. 
perhaps not the major beliefs or the foundational standards, those fundamental standards that we talk about, um, at least the core ones, but our emotions, our viewpoint, our responses, those are the things that change. And they do that because of all the new experiences we have and because of the introspection we do or don't do over the years. I think it's important to note both ways because sometimes we don't do introspection when maybe we should and that comes into play here as well. So, for example, I am not the same woman I was in my early 20s. I've grown, I've matured, and I see many aspects of myself in the world around me more clearly than I did then. And that's reflected in my creative work, I feel like. Right. And when you were saying that um, that we're shaped by the experience that we do and that we don't do, I was actually thinking that... Um, like the risks that we don't take also shape us as well. We have had experiences and a lot of things that have been done to us. And then there are some things that we have, you know, done, mm-hmm. but also um, not taking risks and, and maybe experiences that we wish we would have had. We carry that along with us too. And that shapes us as well and makes us maybe, maybe a little bit bolder as we grow in our artistry and that sort of thing. Um, and we move, move, move forward in that way as well. But the benefit to understanding we evolve as creatives is being able to evaluate and step back, unbiased, to look at our work and glean information from that to put into practice. And we get to chart the growth, which is so cool. We see where we have grown and acknowledge the fact that we are our own work in progresses. How fun. <laughs> <laughs> that really is neat. <laughs> And I think that it's vital to note that our progress and growth does not, um, or our progress and growth now, like who we've become, does not in any way negate our previous work or make it less than. So some authors will look back on their earliest works and pray that they get lost in the Zahn algorithm, right? (laughs) Like, let's just let them disappear. (laughs) And certainly there are times when a re-release or a withdrawal of a previous piece might be prudent. And we've kind of talked a little bit about that in in previous episodes here this season as we've been going back through our work. But um, those things that re-release or pulling something should only be done after a great deal of reflection and with unshakable certainty. Every author is going to look back on their earliest work and cringe here and there at least. Because, for example, because I understand the point of view I naturally write in better now, um, I know that I could write my debut novel without sliding into head-hopping from time to time, which I did do, but I also know that any good thing was the novel it was meant to be because I wrote it when I did, um, with the experiences that that I had at that time in my life. And so when I read it, I don't cringe, surprisingly. I was actually surprised by this because I went back to read it with this in mind, with the intention of, I may just have to completely redo this. But I didn't cringe. Instead, I celebrated the growth that I see in my craft. And I like seeing my growth through each of my works. Now, I could change my mind about that in a few years. But for now, I feel like it's a good representation of who I was as an author. And it's also a good representation of how much I've grown as an author. And so I like that. I got that. Yeah. Did you reread it before or after you won the amazing award that you won that you should tell everybody about? Oh, (laughs) 
Oh my. Have I not told about that on here? I completely forgot. That's happened since we recorded last. Yeah. I don't think you've said anything. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, <laughs> yes. I, um, it was before, to answer your question, and my book, Any Good Thing, won the Indie Author Project Award for the state of Louisiana for 2022. So I am like very excited about that. I'm a little bit over the moon and I was totally shocked. I can just tell y'all when I watched the webinar that announced the winners, I had no clue and I ugly cried. Like it was, I'm glad nobody could see me. (laughs) It is a good thing that was not a live situation because it was not pretty. (laughs) But yeah, that was a pretty exciting day. Yes. Okay. So I'm glad that you read it before. Yeah. And then you got the award, which is almost like validation a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. It really Um, was. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So you read it before. Mm -hmm. You you did like the responsible emotional thing, I think, which is not something that I always do. So I'm really proud of you for that too. (laughs) You were like, oh, here's where I could have improved, but here's what I did really well. And I'm still really proud of this book. And then you won an award. So (laughs) huzzah. (laughs) Huzzah. And it was, it's, it's so good to kind of be, have those moments of validation and stuff. And we don't get that very often, I think as authors, um, and to be able to have, especially as indie authors. So, uh, to be able to have that validation on top of just being proud of the piece that you put out there is, is a big deal. Um, but in this sense where we're talking about authors as a work in progress, you were able to, to say, you know what, I did do this and I'm going to, I'm going to maybe not do that in the future with my, <laughs> with my other projects, but I'm still, I'm still glad that this book is out there. Um, there are some other reasons why you would, why you would do a second version of a book, I suppose. Um, but as far as fiction goes, like, I think that fiction, unless it's good business sense, I think you can, you can probably let your fiction lie with indie authors. We're able to do it a little bit easier than with traditionally published authors who want to redo their books. Um, because with indie authors, you can just do it. (laughs) You are your own gatekeeper. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and even if you're an indie author, you can do it. It's like, should you do it? And I think that J, uh, Joanna Penn, who writes under J.F. Penn uh, for her fiction novels, her fiction thrillers, she had a desire to do it because she saw a difference in her craft. She describes this all on her um, on her podcast, The Creative Pen. Pen with a double N. Um <laughs> But so she did this episode where she talked about like choosing to redo the first three books and that she ever wrote. And it's the the Arcane series, book one, two, and three. And she chose to do it because, first of all, she saw a difference in craft. They are her introdu- introductory books. So generally the first one of the of the books are free and they're trying to grab readers and, and you know and to develop a fan base. And so she thought it would be a good decision business-wise to redo the first three books because of her development as an artist, her work in progress. <laughs> you know? And uh, in order to gather... A, a newer fan base and to make sure that what she's doing um, is good quality work and is indicative of who she is as an author right now. 
Now, with nonfiction, I think we have a different level of responsibility because with nonfiction, particularly like our QWERTY writing life nonfiction, um, we're guiding people. Like we're, we're trying to be, um, we're trying to give people advice. And if that advice is not super clear, if the advice is, um, is no longer relevant, if it's not evergreen, if it's, if it's not what we have, if, if it negates what we've learned from 2019 to 2022, then we want to make sure that we correct that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as nonfiction resource writers, we have a responsibility or joy. And I feel that we have a responsibility to make sure that whoever is reading our books knows exactly what we know when we know it. <laughs> so it's a little bit more than just, you know, did I grow as a, uh, in craft? It is also, you know, did I change my beliefs? Did I change my, um, my stance on something? Mm-hmm. And if so, how can I, how can I share that in the best way possible with the audience that we have? And also with new people who come and experience what QWERTY writing life is all about. And I think too, we, you know, we want to make sure that what the information that we're giving is still relevant, that it still Mm -hmm. makes sense, that it still um, holds true, that the processes hold true, that the, you know, all of these things. And obviously we've had, a few more years of critiquing under our belts. So it's been, honestly, it's been a a relief in some ways, but it's also been a, just an exciting thing to be part of, to be able to go back through our book, to really be digging into it and asking these questions, um, you know, asking the tough questions of our words and finding that they still hold true. Um, Mm -hmm. That, the process is still as it was and that the words that we have and the, and the advice that we can give is still helpful and it still um, holds up after all of these years of us being critique partners. Right. I would venture to make an addendum as well and say that it's not just our experiences that change us as artists, that we, as we get to know other authors and other creatives, um, that their experiences also impress upon us as well. Yeah. And if we're being good human beings, then, you know, living vicariously and being empathetic and stuff like that, this is also changing the texture of our lives as well. And, uh, and I just think that that's, it's kind of a beautiful thing. It's like a thread that we have as, as human beings, but also like we don't have to go through the horrible things, all of the horrible things. We're going to have our own horrible things, <laughs> but we don't have to. I mean, that's what we're doing here, right? That's why you're listening to this podcast is you're trying to learn vicariously through what Joy and I have experienced and what we're going through right now, right? Um, so that you can, don't have to have some of the same experiences that we've had. And also, so you can kind of expedite the process, right? So, um, I think that, um, I think that we can also incorporate other people's experiences and other creatives experiences with good common sense and logic and knowledge and all of that stuff that we have also ingrained in us to, um, in order to, uh, grow as artists in order to progress in the work. I love it. That's beautiful. I think it's time for a challenge. What? Oh, okay. We shall do a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
Okay, so we've got a few questions for you guys to kind of take what we've, uh, our epiphany, and how we've kind of uh, worked that through in our own minds and apply this to your creative work. How have you grown? And what can you celebrate about that growth? I think sometimes we forget that it's okay to celebrate things. Like we think about the big events or the big uh, accomplishments as being the things that you celebrate, but these little quiet things might deserve a little bit more celebration than we give them. So another question is, what's still holding you back? What things would you like to see yourself grow in the next time you look back? And I think this is a, let's look forward, you know? Uh, where do you want to see yourself in a few years when you look back again? And how can you purposefully grow? So if you are intentionally looking back um, and then you're intentionally looking ahead, I think that there can be more purpose to the growth that we make as we move forward as creatives. I think that question is so important that how can you purposefully grow? I think it's so, so, so important. But I also heard a quote today that just really resonated with me because I am always the person who can identify. But then I'm like, mm, I've identified it. Done. And that's not the case. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> there is something about like the identification of what needs to happen and like making the plan and all of that kind of stuff that my brain is just like, okay, well, we've already done that. And that's not the case. Right. Yeah. So um, this quote came from Marie Forleo and she is an author and, you know, coach and all of that kind of stuff. And it came from a reel on Instagram and we have the link below if you want to see the whole thing. But this was just a small quotation inside of that reel that was just such a big statement for me. And it just reminded me that it's not all about the thinking. It's, it's not all about the identifying, uh, but it says clarity comes from engagement, not thought as we go through as artists and we recognize that we are our own work in progresses, it's going to come with a, you know, that comes with clarity. And the reason that we have clarity and we can look back in 2022 and say, this is how we can make this 2019 product better is through that clarity. And if you think about it, the only way that we were able to have that clarity is because we practiced being artists in the meantime. So I just want to encourage you to, to not only identify how you can purposefully grow, but also to practice it because that's where all of the clarity comes from and the growth comes from. Perfect way to sum it all up. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> we hope that you guys have an amazing week. Yes. And go make something. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this episode encouraged you. Like all creatives, we thrive on consumer recommendations. So please consider leaving us a review and sharing our podcast with your creative friends. If you'd like to continue this conversation, visit us on our website at QWERTYWritingLife.com or on Instagram at QWERTYWritingLife.com.